We're going to be reading this morning from the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you want to turn with me, please, chapter 4. Um, strangely, the summertime, we tend to um, relax it down a wee bit, and we have indeed done that. But, but last week, we really felt this desire to consider the topic, a wee simple topic of sanctification. Of course, it's just very easy reading and easy listening. We began that last week. Uh, last week, we looked at that in positional sanctification. And quite simply what that means, if you are saved here this morning, you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your sin has been removed, and that's it, finished. You are redeemed, you're blood-bought, you're saved. I know how you feel, I feel it myself. You are holy, according to what the Scriptures teach, not by how we feel. And we can all say, thank the Lord, if you feel that this morning. Thank the Lord our salvation is not built upon how we feel. So positional sanctification is you're saved, your sin has been removed, and you are made holy. Now we're moving on this morning to progressive sanctification. I've entitled today's sermon, Let the Journey Begin. Because what I have experienced in my own personal life is when, when I come to faith after a year or two, I think to myself, why am I not as holy as your man over there? Or the little woman over there just seems to have everything perfected. Have anybody ever experienced that? We think that everybody else seems to be that wee bit more established. That's a lie of the, of the enemy. Yes, there is those who are more mature and those we look up to. Of course there is, but none of us is any more sanctified, any more holier than the man or woman beside us in Christ. So this little um, screen snippet, this shot, this will be just sort of left up in and out as we can. It's to remind you what we're looking at this morning. Sanctification, growing into Christ's image by the Spirit's power. Christian, you're an image bearer of the Lord. Now, what does Jesus look like to you? He's gracious. He's forgiven. He's one who speaks truth even when it hurts. He's one that's very much approachable. He's one that we wouldn't dare try to underhand because we know he would understand it. And listen, we are called to be image bearers. And when people look at us, what the gospel would teach us, there is a time coming but we should be displaying the very nature of God, the very nature of Christ. No pressure at all, of course. But that's what the church is called to be, those who reflect the image of God. Now, of course, there's perfective sanctification, with God willing us, next week. The only time you're going to be perfect, church, is when you see him face to face. Say amen. The only time you're going to be perfect is when you see him face to face. So don't be worrying about that. So our theme this morning is progressive sanctification, growing in the image of Christ. A man by the name of Sinclair Ferguson, he said this, how do we bring glory to God? The Bible's short answer, he says, is by growing more and more like Jesus Christ. The only way you and I can bring glory to God is by reflecting the very nature of Christ. And that's the work of progressive sanctification in the life of the believer. It's to help the church to become more like Jesus. It's the work of the Spirit in us. And here's the thing, for us to become more like Jesus, God will at times disrupt our simple faith. He will disrupt your wee walk with God at times in order for you to grow. Has anybody experienced that? When God just takes your wee simple faith and shakes the life out of it. And all of a sudden, as I would often say, the door falls off the hinges. The windows no longer close. And there's a bit of rain getting through the roof. The whole house falls apart. Because our understanding of who we are in Christ has been challenged. And are we image of God? This is all the work of God, church. When he shakes your life, it's not to hurt you. It's to grow you, to make you more like Christ. And he at times will challenge our thinking, 
he will certainly challenge our lifestyles. I, heard, I once heard it said this, when God wants you to grow, he makes you uncomfortable. I will accept that, because the scripture teaches without pruning there's no fruit, or at least very nettle. So let us read together. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting from uh, verse 2, just a few verses this morning. Uh, my Bible is entitled, A Life Pleasing to God. And this is what the process, let the journey begin. If you know what instructions we give you through the Lord Jesus, Paul says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control and possess his own body in both holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles, who do not know God, that no one's and that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all these things. For as we told you beforehand, and we warn you yet, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. So last week, a foundation was laid, and this foundation is very important, church, in your life. If you missed it, I tried to give you a wee snippet of what it was at the very start, it's finished in your life. If you're saved this morning, you are saved this morning. You are sanctified. Your sin is gone, right? So you need to understand that. That's a foundation of, the, of Scripture what the teacher teaches us. And it's very important because if we start to apply um, without this foundation, teachings like um, abstinence and staying away from things that we shouldn't be touching, we can very easily enter into legalism and we can end up bound by the law of God a law that we ourselves are unable to fulfill. Because the Bible teaches that the church is under the law of grace. You this morning are under the law of grace. Many of us know that and are very thankful for that. If you want to know where your victory in Christ comes from, it comes from last week's topic, sanctification, positional sanctification. We only have victory because he has given it and in and through him. Nothing to do with your works or my works. The church is under the grace and the law of God. And this foundation is laid for us to build on so as we pursue holiness, to become more like Christ, we can do that. So positional sanctification declares the blood of Christ makes the believer holy. He sets him apart for God's own people as holy and acceptable. That's the truth that we need to accept about ourselves. It's known in Christian theology as the great exchange, the great exchange. It's a wonderful concept where God removes the believer's sin and unrighteousness. And in exchange for that, he gives them his righteousness and his holiness. It's a great exchange that's taken place the moment you come to faith. He removes it all, all the filth, and he gives you all the purity. Now that's doctrine. It has to be accepted. It has to be applied to our hearts. Let nobody speak anything else into your life. You might not be perfect, and that's what we're dealing with today. But who you are in Christ, let it not be challenged. Let you walk strong in who you are in Christ. God removes the believer's sin and unrighteousness, and in exchange for that, he gives, it, he gives them his righteousness. But listen, as we move on this morning, we need to understand that as a believer, you are saved by grace and not by works. There's a ray of danger of applying works to our salvation. Does anybody here think it would be a lot easier to set up a direct debit every month and pay £40 for salvation? It would be so much easier, wouldn't it? It really would. To maybe burst the floor or make tea or tithe in, it would just be easier to accept that, look, I've done something. But Jesus says, I've done it all, okay? He's done it all. So you have to stop trying to please God. We have pleased him through faith as Abraham did. But as believers, here's the funny bit. We wrestle with sin. 
We still will wrestle with sin, and that should be declared from the housetops, because many a poor wee Christian has found themselves struggling and end up turning away from the faith because they feel they don't fit into our holy sanctuary, because we're so good at building these holy walls around us. Instead of walking in the teachings of the Scripture, we build up these holy walls, and that turns people away. It makes them feel unable and unworthy. But as believers, let it be said that we wrestle with sin, but let it also be said that in Christ our sin is removed. That's what the Scripture teaches. Once we are saved, our sin is removed, and we begin this journey that we're speaking about today, this progressive sanctification. It's a journey where the believer becomes more like Christ. So young people, if you're taking notes this morning, here's your first point. It's quite a simple point, and it's a, it's a point that we need to put into our minds this morning. And the, the first point is this. You're a new person. Now start living as one. You're a new person. Now start living like one. A very simple but yet a very effective uh, point for us this morning. So how are we a new person? Well, there's many scriptures, but let me, let me just quote a simple one for you. 2 Corinthians 5. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's the key bit. If you're not in Christ this morning, you can't claim this. But anybody who is in Christ and is saved this morning is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It goes on to say this. All this is from God. It's not from our direct debits nor our works. It's all from God, who through Christ, and the next verse it says this, not counting their sins against them. Not counting their sins against them. What a truth, church, to help us grow in the image of God, that God no longer counts our sin against us. And here's what I've learned in my own life, and it's this. Weak theology creates weak Christians, doesn't it? When we walk about defeated, like we snubbed our toe, we're weak, and we're not much of a testimony. So weak theology creates weak Christians, but strong theology creates strong Christians who go on to live victorious lives for Christ. Why? Because they know what Jesus said, the Bible teaches. So positional sanctification, the believer's sin is removed from them. Progressive sanctification, the place where we all stand today in Christ, where the believer needs to be removed from sin. Can we say that together? I know we can easily switch off. The believer needs to be removed from sin. That's it in harmony. The believer needs to be removed from sin. Does that, does that remonate with us? Does not touch all of our courts? Because the Bible isn't irrelevant. The believer now needs to be removed from sin. If you're struggling with sin this morning, welcome to the club. We all, in various levels and at various seasons in our life, will struggle with sin, and we do. And there's a, there's a process that we have entered into with the Lord to bring us through it and purify us. Thank the Lord for it. So you're not not saved. You're not any worse than any other Christian. You're on a journey. Just some might be a wee bit further ahead. Some might be a wee bit further behind. That's part of the Christian struggle. Part of our struggle is this. It's letting old habits go, isn't it? It's putting things right in our life. Things that we know aren't right, that they should be right. Relationships that aren't right, and we know we should put them right, and we say, look, it, sure, we'll ignore them, and they'll make themselves right, and that doesn't work. And nowhere will we get that encouragement from the Scripture to ignore anything. We have to put things right in our life. So progressive sanctification, it's a gradual changing, a gradual changing in the life of the believer that we become more like the image of Christ and less like that old man. You know the man that you were, the woman that you were before you came to faith. But Christian, here's the thing. You and I will regularly have to deal with personal sin and our bad attitudes. Now imagine that. Yes, maybe you're shocked this morning. 
even Christians at times will have bad attitudes. Thank the Lord, not in this assembly this morning, but out there in different churches, there is Christians who have bad attitudes. Even an odd pastor sometimes have bad attitudes. And these are the sort of things that we have to deal with. Personal sin we have to deal with. Not because we're not saved or we're not going to be saved, but because God has said, listen, I've called you to reflect the image of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to help you do it. And you're going to begin a journey to do it. One man put it like this. Every believer is sanctified by the offering of Jesus Christ at the moment they come to faith. And this has nothing to do with our behavior. It's not to do with works. But it should encourage the Christian to live holy. And there's the thing. And this means that there will be many Christians that God is still rebuilding the ruins in their lives. There will be believers whose lives are far from perfect. Do you know any? Maybe you are that person. There will be believers who behave, whose behavior is somewhat questionable. Yet these same believers are as saved as a mature Christian who has followed the Lord faithfully all the days of their life and have grew both in the grace and the knowledge of God. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? to know that truth. So what we are dealing with today is not about our salvation, but about our behavior as the people of God. So you're a new person, start living as one. And Paul says this, for this is the will of God for you, church, that you abstain. We don't like to abstain. That packet of crisps and the wee dairy milk chocolate bar and the glass of milk or the ham and salad sandwich I don't know about you, it's hard to abstain from them wee nice tasty things. But put that into bigger things. Abstinence is not something that we like to do because this old flesh, like your old flesh, likes the easy good old life. But we have to build the man of God. We have to build the woman of God. We have to be the example to the next generation coming through this church. If these young people here see us living like hooligans, what are they going to be? Hooligans. Safe to say? And better ones and bigger ones. But if we set a precedence that we are not living legalistic, we're not trying to be holy, but we're just walking what the Scripture teaches, we will see that we will, we will leave to the young ones something that's to be grasped and be, to be sought after. Flee from sexual immorality, the Bible says. Learn how to control your body, the Bible says. Don't get caught up with lust, the Bible says. Oh, you see the importance of positional sanctification? Last week it's finished. This week here's the reality of it. These things are going to challenge you, come into your heart, going to try and control you. But this is who you are last week. This is the journey this week. We need to take this stuff and we need to try and put it to death the best we can. And that brings us to our second point, young people, if you're writing notes, the second point is this, be a bright light for the gospel. Why am I saying that? Because any time I've seen a child of God living in sin, they're not bright. They're not a light that draws me to better ground, to safety. You see? There's a light that you are, and there's one who seeks to stay in that light. There's one who seeks to take your life and muddy it, bring it into shame. But the Lord says, no, I'm going to bring you and change you in such a way that you're going to begin to glow. And your own family is going to be profounded by it. They're going to be dumbfounded by it. And they're going to let on, there's been no change in your life, as if everything is as it was. But there is no deep down that you are a new man, a new woman of God. And don't disappoint, church. Don't disappoint them. Don't give them what they really don't want to see, but they don't really want to see you fall. They don't understand it all, but they don't want to see you fall. So be that light. 
Now, Jesus has revealed himself to us, and I believe it's our responsibility to reveal Jesus to the world. And in our text this morning, there's a new way of living which is presented to the early church. Now, I love this. A new way which is honorable, which is pleasing to both man and God. Now, it's important we understand that we don't get the wrong idea. Ungodly living of every type of sexual activity that is unheard of and can't be spoken about here this morning for young years was, was, was present in Jesus' day, okay? Don't get the wrong idea that we are digressed. Corinth is known as the city of sin, for instance. Thank God Monaghan isn't noticed or, or, or known as at least that, a county of sin. The book of Corinthians alone mentions and deals with the most gross immorality and excessive lifestyles this is all linked to the lust of the flesh and all in the church. <laughs> but isn't it liberating to know that God doesn't just say, but he begins to work and change your life and my life? Isn't it wonderful? That it's, it's not up to us anymore. The reason you desire to change and to put off that stuff is because God has created this in you. It's a wonderful work. And the, chur the church is called to abstain from excessive sensuality, if you like. And we have to learn how to control our body. We, we, are, we are encouraged not to get caught up with lust. And if Paul could only see our day, what, what a different day we see, what Paul see. But yet lust was a problem then. It's just a massive, massive global problem now. And here's the thing about lust. It's destructive. It starts off really subtle within, but it is a bomb, an atomic bomb that goes off at just the right time. And today, like never before, media is, has directed uh, at man's base nature this, this spurt of lust. Lust, it's a very dangerous desire, and it's caused untold damage to many homes. It's a cancer in every society, including our own. And lust can be seen clearly in nearly every channel and movie we watch, even 12 and PGs. I don't even notice it. Shocking. It's hard to know what to let the kids watch anymore. It's a tool that's used for advertising. It's a tool that's used for Satan to destroy the family unit. It's used to bring dishonor to the man and the woman of God. And it's used to bring down the ministers of the gospel to ruin. And it's brought shame on many, many people of God and the name of God. That's lust. That's just one wee thing that we need to abstain from. Because we think it's nice to play football with it. But this is what the reality of it is. And that's the power of lust when it gets a foothold in a life. And Paul says something very interesting in verse 6 that, that needs to be, to be given some thought. So look at verse 6. That, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger of all these things. But think of that. That no one transgress his brother in this matter. Now there's many different thoughts on this. But here's mine. When a believer has sexual relations outside of marriage, they are, in effect, transgressing against the future husband or wife of somebody else. If you're dating somebody who's not your wife, and you're not married yet, and you overstep the mark, that could be somebody else's wife, and likewise somebody else's husband within the people of God. And there's an old term that many adults will know, the third person in the room. There's greater graphics with that, but I think you understand what I'm saying. When there's a third party involved, and what God's saying is, what, in actual fact, when we overstep this boundary, what we're doing is we're actually transgressing and sinning against our very brother, our very sister, 
Because we've overstepped the God-given line. And God says, is this, is this good and acceptable? Is this God-honoring? You see, so it's not condemning people and saying, don't live like this. There's a reason why we don't live like this, God says. It brings honor to my name. It brings security and safety to you. It, it brings a marriage that it can be trusted. And it brings love and safety and security. Otherwise, it's all just open with no end and, and, and no line, no boundaries. So the Bible says that marriage is to be honorable. And the church is called to honor that. It's not legalistic. It's not saying, no, I'd rather just go with several different people and enjoy my life. It's saying, no, honor, it's, it's honorable. But yet there's a society out there that says it's not. There's a culture that says, no, it's not. It's so much better to be used than to use. It's so much better to have nobody there in the hard day, just there in the good day. It's so much better just to give what's precious to somebody else who doesn't really see it as precious. That's what society says. And God says, well, hold on, that's not true, actually. You're worth more, and what you have is valuable. And God's saying, listen, you've got a choice. For the first time in your life as a believer, you have a choice. Because there's many people out there who are totally deceived. They haven't a clue. They don't know what's right or wrong, as I once didn't. And they walk into these things without even realizing what they're giving away. I remember, do you remember Tom Quinn was here, the pastor, the white belt pastor, not that long ago. And he mentioned something very interesting. We're not going to get into it this morning, but about the blood covenant. And that's so true. If we can understand the depth of it, when a person comes together and that blood covenant's opened, they form a covenant. But in our culture, that covenant doesn't mean anything, but it's still a covenant, which brings in the teaching of soul tie, which is a whole different topic, but all very relevant. So listen, honor yourself, Christian. Honor God with your life, because it's precious. And young people, what you have, if you understand what I'm saying, it's precious. And honor it and protect it. Don't give it away because it's not cheap and it can't be brought back. can't be brought back. And Paul says this, and he's speaking to every man, young, old, and all that's in between. And speaking of the topic of lust as a strong force, he says this in 1 Corinthians. Listen, church, flee, he says, from sexual immorality. Flee. Now, this word flee means to run with all your life, with all your energy from temptation. It doesn't mean play. It doesn't mean sit down and see how far can we go here. It means run. You have a choice to make. We can play, we can run. And you get to make that choice. I get to make that choice. In other words, Paul says, Christian, don't give it a second glance. Run from it. Flee. And the Bible, the Bible teaches, sorry, whenever we are faced with temptation of any kind, that there will always be a way out. What about that? Have we forgotten that there's always a way out when we're tempted? Always, the Bible says. Not sometimes, always. And at times we will really have to look hard to find that door. And Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful, church. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. See, God will allow so much temptation to come your way to grow you, to grow you, church. He'll make you uncomfortable. He will put you in situations to test your heart. And some of you will know that this morning, that you have been tested. Perhaps you've failed that test. Perhaps you haven't. But wherever it is, we make sure we build on and we keep going on and putting things right and living for God. Because sin, take it from a man, a young man at 44-ish, sin will try and trap the believer. He will, of all shapes and kinds of ways. But the good news is that God will always provide a divine door that we can go out. So church, put off the old sin nature. It's to bring honor to you and to God. 
We're called to be a light, so let us shine as one. Let us shine as a bright light. The last point this morning is be holy because you are holy. Be holy because you are holy. So listen, church, be holy because you are holy. Put your hand up if you feel holy this morning. Don't be shy if you're, praise your sister. Put your hand up higher. Don't hide it. If you feel holy, oh, look. Anybody else feel holy this morning? Church, there is a place we can get to we feel holy. When we understand what the Bible teaches, and every one of us should have our hand up this morning. Be holy because you are holy, not because you feel holy. What did we teach last week? I know many of us away. Many of you people were away. But you're declared holy because the Bible has declared you holy through Christ. So we'll ask again, be holy because you're holy. Put your hand up this morning if you're holy. Come on, church. Come on, play with me this morning. That's, we're getting there, we're getting there. Some of you now have to work a wee bit harder with, but I, I understand that. Church, be holy because you are holy, not because you don't feel holy or you feel holy whatever way it is you feel this morning. There's some Sundays I come to church and I feel like driving on past. <laughs> don't be mistaken. And I'm sure you do the same, and I suspect some of you do drive on past, because I have to at least turn up. And it's not because we don't love the Lord, it's because we don't feel great. Or somebody said something, or something's happened in our life. Or we just feel weak. Or we haven't been good. Or we fail the test that the Lord has given. There's unpaid reasons why we don't feel good. But if we are going to be a church that goes on for Jesus, we would tell you we're going to receive attack. And we don't rely on our emotions. We need to walk on what the scripture teaches. So Christian, be holy because you are holy. And this will be a quick wee point this morning. So here's what I said. Christian, stop trying to be holy. Just, just be holy. I've said this to myself. Neil, stop trying. Just be. It's difficult, but we're going to do it. The church is declared holy, not by her works, but by her faith in Christ. And therefore, we need to stop trying to be holy and just be holy. We need to make changes in our life. As and when they come, of course we do. That's progressive sanctification. So it's not right we put it right. We don't say, well, I'm holy, so I'm going to live like a dog. That's not progression at all. That's regression. We make changes as and when we need to. Because not everything in our life can be sorted out quickly. Say amen to that. Because not everything can be sorted out quickly in our lives. That's the reality of the Christian life. Some things take a lot of time. I think, of, I think it was five years of my Christian life when I could actually lift my head up for the first time. Head was racked. You see? So that wasn't instant sanctification for me at all. It was very much progressive. progressive but I don't ever remember being taught this, actually. It would have helped me greatly. But I was still blood-bought. I was indeed saved and holy. But Neil, you're on a journey, and you might feel wrecked today, but you're on a journey, and the reason you feel wrecked is because God has got the bulldozer in and the digger in, and he's rebuilding that ruined city that you once are, were, and now you're going to be a beautiful city, just not yet. And Romans 6 says this, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, God says, but under grace. Don't let sin master you. Don't let it dictate to you and tell you to drive on past the gate because you're not worthy. And many times we not took communion because some voice has said you're not worthy this morning. When the Bible says don't take communion, go and put things right first. So if we can put things right, put it right and take communion. Don't just not take it. That's progressive. It's always an encouragement to, to come on but move on. Be holy, church, because you are already holy. Second Corinthians says this, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile us in both body and spirit. And let us work, think of the words, let us work towards complete holiness with the fear of God. Work towards it. 
We haven't obtained it. And here is the liberating thing about pursuing holiness, church. It doesn't matter when things go wrong. It doesn't matter when we make a few bad choices. Now, I know we have all made a few bad choices. Actually, I don't know anything about you personally. Don't be getting paranoid. But we all have made bad choices, haven't we? And we will make more bad choices. We need to get that into our thinking as a Christian. But we are still declared holy. Therefore, we don't lie down. We get up and we put things right. What needs to be put right in your life today? What's stopping you from going on with the Lord Jesus Christ? What's hindering you from giving thanks around the Lord's table or telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to get up and put things right and keep going on for the Lord Jesus Christ and press on. Because here's the thing. Following Christ is not a license to sin because of his grace. But following Christ is dying to our old man and putting on the new man. That's what Christianity is. Any man thinks following Jesus is easy. He's in the wrong faith. He's got the wrong mindset. We don't get to stay who we are, despite the many churches that are popping up today saying the church without walls, come as you are, and everybody's accepted. Who cares? Who wants to be accepted by other men? Who wants to be accepted by God? I want to be accepted by the one who really matters, the one who sticks closer than a brother, the one who has the power to kill and the soul both before and after death, the one who is the great I am. That's the one that I want to please, and I know you do. But listen, not every believer is in the same place in their walk. And to make disciples, church, means to lead believers closer to Jesus, to help them grow in the image of Christ. That's your responsibility and mine. And this will take much effort on your part and my part to make disciples. It takes empathy. Do you know what empathy is? Where you don't judge somebody, but you take a moment, you sit down, you take your shoes off and you put theirs on. And you spend a wee bit of time walking about in their life. And then, and only then, if you've really done that, think about making a judgment. Only then. Empathy is something that we need to put on. Encouragement is something we need to pour out. And we need to also have around our waist lots and lots of grace and mercy to help each other grow in the image of Christ. Amen? Come on. We need this. You need this. There's going to be a day you come into this church and things haven't worked out well for you. You've made a bad choice. And you need to know that you can come into a family that's going to embrace you. It's going to help you and going to encourage you on in the things of God, yeah? That's what this is about. This is progressive sanctification to help each other grow in the image of Christ. And that's what it is to make disciples. So don't be too hard on yourself, church. Don't be too hard on yourself. I think time's nearly went. I don't have more to say. I don't want to just keep going on. So I'm going to encourage the team to come. And I say it is somewhere, and I know this, but I want to get this across. And I believe we've got some of that across. Are we getting that this morning? That we're on a journey. It's probably something we could just go up and say this morning. Church, by the way, you're on a wee journey this morning. Don't be too hard on yourself. Things aren't just how they ought to be. You're not where you probably want to be. You're on a journey. It's called progressive sanctification. It's a biblical doctrine way from many years ago that's been lost somewhere along the line. And here's the deal, church. You and I have got many imperfections. And some of you maybe don't even realize you have got imperfections. Some of you are well aware of your imperfections. And that's the beauty of it. And the Apostle Paul, as I love the Apostle Paul, I got an opportunity to study a character in college and I chose him. I am fascinated about him. Don't know why, he just seems like a man that you just cannot turn him with a grip. You know one of them guys? You couldn't turn him with a grip. And he keeps going on for the Lord Jesus Christ. When even the very church forsook him. When he was, his apostleship was questioned. 
who he was as a person was questioned. When his past was cast up to stop him going on, the grape didn't work. He kept going on. Look what he did. He preached most Sundays from his books. And Paul says this, church, speaking to church, not that I have already obtained perfection. So free yourself and not this morning, church. You haven't obtained it, but you're on this wee journey that we're becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the beauty, church. We get to do what Paul does and did. Paul says, you know, I've acknowledged who I am and what I am. It's not good. His past wasn't good, church. He's likened to a terrorist. <laughs> That's what he was likened to. He, he wasn't a simple man. And he wasn't a simple man when he came to faith either. But boy, he knew about his past. And he says, you know something? I have taken my past and I've left it there, he says. And I now move forward and I press on. And you know, I don't know what's happened in your life this morning, but the Lord does. And for some of you, your life has had, had things happening in it that has really hindered you from believing God, from moving on, even trusting people again. There's some of you here this morning, you cannot trust anybody anymore. You can't love anymore. And these are all things, you see, that really stop us from pressing on for the Lord Jesus and entering in and growing like Christ. You see, we can't grow like Christ if we stay as the old man. We can't bring our old wounds with us and be like Christ. And here's the interesting thing. When Christ rose from the dead, an old doubt in Thomas, not until I see his wounds will I believe. You know that sort of spur that we all have every now and again. And the Lord says, well, how do we look? How do we poke? The Lord carried his scars from this earth, and I believe when we get to glory, he will still have them. We've seen him in his resurrected body. There's going to be scars that are going to shape you to shine brighter for the Lord Jesus. You need to believe that. There's nothing has happened in your life that God can't use for good. And I know there's people here this morning, and your life has been difficult, and you need to hear this. You are saved, and you're not where you want to be, and you, oh, you struggle to grow anymore, but God says, listen, the beauty of progressive sanctification is a bit like positional sanctification. It's all of God. He works in you. It's not liberating. He makes us more like him. It's not down to you and I, because we wouldn't do a great job. It's all the work of God in us. And that's the beauty of it. It's not about us earning or striving for things. It's all being secured at the cross. But instead, as Christians, we get to rebuild our broken lives again with the help of God. And you need to hear this. You get to make a choice today. Am I going to stay the way I am? Am I going to sell my body short and cheapen it? Am I going to just live a loose life? Or am I going to tighten up the reins a bit? Am I going to abstain from certain things? Or am I not? It's all your choice. There's no legalism here. You're still welcome to come and to worship the Lord, enter into his presence. But the Lord says, you have a choice this morning. What's your choice? We get to put things right in our life. What's not right in your life, in your family's life? And these can be really difficult. What about praying about it and lifting the phone? Try. Try and reconcile families. Do you know what I've realized about this whole teaching this last two weeks is that for the first time in my life, I've realized that I am free to make choices. Good choices. Godly choices. Because when I was lost in sin, I didn't make any choice that was good for me or godly. But all of a sudden, I've got choice. You've got choice. Do you realize you've got choice? Why did it take me 20 years to realize that I have got for the first time in my life choice? Choice. Free. Free in Christ. Free to make decisions. I can live like I want any old way or I can live differently. I get to choose and you get to choose this morning. 
And that's the power of progressive sanctification. Let us pray. Can we, can we, if you're able to stand, can we stand this morning, please? I want us to stand. We're going to enter straight into worship this morning. Uh, Julie is going to play us in a moment, going to lead us in a song. And I think this song is just the lyrics of it really help us, um, should help you this morning just to grasp some truths of what Scripture um, even teaches. And after that, our, our pastor is going to come and lead us in around just around the table. But just take an opportunity. Just, if you're able just to close your eyes this morning, let God speak to you this morning. There's people here this morning. Right? Listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. There's things in your life that are stopping you from moving on and growing in the image of Christ, and this is your time to get free from that. Now, don't miss it. There's opportunity for you to get free from past hurts, past letdowns, past rejection, past mistakes that you've made in your life. This all can be put right and restored today in Jesus' name. And Paul says, for it is God who works in you to his will. Thank the Lord, church. It's God who's working in you this morning. And you have a wee bit more to grow this morning as I do. And your light's going to shine when you leave here this morning more like Christ, but you have to put things right in your life. So just in these moments, open your heart up. Let the Holy Spirit move in you. Billy Graham said this, that being a Christian is more than just an instant conversion. It's a daily process where we get to grow more and more like Jesus. Father, we think of the words of John Newton, where he says, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And Father, as we think of this progressive sanctification this morning, we thank you that, Lord God, you are indeed working in our lives. And although we don't realize it, perhaps even feel it, Lord, we are becoming bright lights. We are becoming more like the image of Christ. And Lord, I pray over each of our hearts this morning that, Father, that you would help each of us to make good choices. Lord, that we have that freedom. Lord, we have that ability, Lord, to say yes or to say no, to abstain. Lord, to put value on ourselves or not to put value on ourselves. And Lord, I pray, especially over the young here today, that, Lord, they would know that who they are in Christ is finished at the cross. But in this progressive sanctification, the journey that they are now on, they get to make choices that will either exalt and honor God or bring a wee bit of dishonor to their own lives and to God. And Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, you would empower us by the Holy Spirit, that we would leave here, Father, Lord, as people who know their God, whose people who know their theology, whose people who stand on what Christ has done, but also walk in that new life that we have been given. Lord, we remind that when we fall, that, Lord, you lift us and you cover us. We remind the Lord God that we are down on our knees, that you lift us back up again. And when sin seeks to imprison us, Father, you keep freeing us. And Father, I speak over your people this morning, freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name, God. Father, I pray, O God, that Lord, we as your church would be set free from all the lies of Satan in Jesus' name. That Lord, good choices would be our diet, God. That, Lord, that we would receive forgiveness this moment for past mistakes, for them tests that, Lord, you have placed before us, and, Lord, we ignored the divine door to escape. But, Lord, we thank you that at the cross there's forgiveness, there's restoration, Lord, there's new start, new beginning, God, clean sheet. And we thank you. We, we receive that this morning in Christ, that you, the Word says, you not hold our sins against us. Glory to God, Father. We reject and renounce our past mistakes. And today we walk in this teaching of progressive sanctification as a church of Jesus Christ. 
that, Lord, we are set free from sin has been removed. And, Lord, you have started a process where we are now being removed from sin. But, Lord, we're not there yet, but you've started. Glory to God. So, Father, an infilling of the Holy Spirit upon this congregation, God. And, Lord, as we come around your table, Lord, after we sing this piece, as we come around your table, God, that, Father, we would all be able to partake of the bread and the wine. Because, Lord, we have done business with you this morning. And him who the sun sets free is free. Free to live, free to proclaim, and free to take communion in the presence of God. Amen. Amen.